iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. All right. So, I'd like to welcome our guest to the stage, filmmaker Sean Durkin, actors Elizabeth Olsen, John Hawks, and our moderator, Logan Hill, who's now at GQ. Thank you, everybody. All right, thanks everybody for coming. Um, it's, it's, it's fun seeing you, Sean, because I, the first time we talked about this film was at a similar panel a couple of years ago at Cannes when this film didn't exist except as a script. And you were working on a short film called Mary Last Scene. And I, I was just, I know a lot of people are just interested in how films get made, you know, how they go through that process. And yours has had a kind of interesting journey through Sundance Labs and some other, you know, and through your company, uh, Borderline Films. Maybe you just tell us how it all kind of came together in the early stages. Um, I, I started writing a script and I developed it with my two producing partners, started about four years ago. Um, we got pretty far along with it and um, uh, we had made another film called After School and um, that was making festival rounds and getting us some attention as a company and then um, Ted Hope saw After School, really liked it. Then he asked us what we had next, and we showed him Martha, the script, and he really got behind it. And that was the first step towards getting this film made, um, was his support. Um, then from there, uh, I, I had done all this research about cults, and, and, the, and Martha was focusing on what happens after someone leaves a cult. And uh, I wanted to do something that included how someone gets to a cult. And I hadn't made a short in about four years, and so we decided to make a short, which we called Mary Last Scene, um, about that, where it's not, it, it is related to the feature, but it's not a short version of the feature. So we made that, and um, that got into Sundance, the script got into the lab, both things happened in January of 2010, and then um, we kept going, kept working on it, and shot uh, last summer, and edited, and went to Sundance. And, and the script, it, it, you know, there was a lot of support behind the script. It seemed like, you know, through the phases, whether it's the labs uh, getting behind it or, um, or not, and also attracting this kind of terrific cast. And one thing I wonder was what your first impression was of, of the script, because to me, these roles are really surprising. You know, when you hear about a film that's about a, you know, kind of a cult, you expect the leader to be just sort of pure evil and, and, the, and the young woman to be maybe more of a victim than she is. But I thought that both characters were much more subtly drawn than that. I was wondering just what your first impressions were. Okay, I'll start. Um, for me, um, it was just exciting because it was within the first six, seven months of auditioning for me, so I hadn't really had the opportunity to read many good scripts at all because you, you just don't get to. Um, and I was lucky that, that Sean was looking for an unknown actress, so that's, that's how I was able and allowed to read it, really. Um, and it, it was everything you hope to get to do when you get older. Like all of the challenges that you think characters that you've read before in plays, that you've watched on screen, that you hope you, would get, to, you get to work on later when you get older. Um, and it was, an, it was a... It was just really exciting to read a role that, that challenged you and also didn't, didn't treat a young woman like any type of stereotype. Um, and I also just thought the, the, the script was written very cleverly with the way he um, used the structure and played with a linear narrative. 
I was thinking back on you know kind of breakthrough performances, and this has really become one for you. You're getting a ton of attention for this part, and it's and it's a phenomenal performance. Thanks. But but I think guys tend to get these parts, these kind of interesting parts more. Like I was thinking of yeah. Edward Norton or uh, Ryan Gosling, and these guys. You have these kind of intense uh, roles where you're on screen the whole movie, and that really rarely happens. I think for you know, a 21 year old actress. Yeah, you know? it's really rare. And, and I got really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and John, I mean, your 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 character Patrick, he's he's the leader of uh, this cult. But I know you've talked in some interviews about how the word cult uh, almost oversells it to you. It, it feels in some ways like more of a community, and doesn't get it how uh, subtle and how complicated this relationship is. Yeah, uh, and as far as uh, reading the script the first time, I wasn't really interested in, in cult movies. I've, I've been, uh, I guess, offered a lot of that kind of material along the way, and there's always uh, an annual Charles Manson movie that I'm not interested in being part of. <laughs> I've been, you know, asked to be at least to audition for and things, and uh, so I wasn't really interested in reading it at all. Uh, but when I did, uh, like Lizzie. Uh, uh, was impressed kind of by the elusiveness of it and the elusiveness of feeling and, and of, uh, of, of emotion, of knowing exactly how to feel. Uh, it's nice to read a script that doesn't tell you exactly how you're supposed to feel each moment along the way, but lets you experience it and choose, choose yourself. As far as Patrick, I wasn't interested in a Svengali mustache twirling kind of uh, villain. I mean, talking to Sean, it was agreed that in order for for Martha's, uh, for Lizzie's character Martha to seem credible, like an intelligent person, then it was important that I not seem like a charlatan, very obvious, over-the-top kind of uh, con man. You know, I thought that the more that I could make uh, Patrick a, a credible and believable human being that you might even that has some good ideas that you might even want to get behind a little bit, the more that I thought it would it would be good for the lead character. You know, what, Elizabeth, why is Martha there? I mean, you know, the, the question is, you know, how does she become seduced into this world? And what, what is it that she's missing? Um, we actually, that is, um, that was something that we figured out at, between Sean and I. And I guess in the editing process, it wasn't one of the required elements of telling the story. So... There's no, I don't really want to answer anything that's not um, laid out in the film. I mean, one of the amazing things about this film is there's a lot that goes unexplained. You know, we don't really know a lot about her childhood. We know something, it wasn't perfect. We know that she's damaged in some way or looking for something. And also when she comes out of uh, this community, she doesn't really even know how to explain what's happened to her. And I was wondering, Sean, when you're writing the script, why was that such an important element that she just wouldn't even be able to talk about it? Well, well the first part that's important to me is that I, I think just people talking about what, what's happened, to, like their past, in the sense of like knowing where she comes from is, is just kind of boring. And I just think that it's not really... Like when you go home and spend time with your family, you don't explain what happened to you when you were 15 because everybody knows and it's just under the surface. Um... So that was the first goal, was to be able to create a relationship between her and her sister, Lucy, that um, you get without needing to know all the facts. I also didn't want to provide, like, say, you know, Martha went into a cult because of this, uh, or did this because of that, because it's too simple, and I just don't think things are ever that simple, and it wasn't about that. Um, 
in terms of, sorry, what was the second part? <laughs> um, I guess just, you know, how... Um, why should not talk about it? Oh, yeah, oh okay. So, it. so um, when I was early, early on in writing the script, I, um, I met somebody who shared her experience with me, and she had, you know, in the last maybe five or seven years, got out of a group that was very similar. And she explained her first two weeks uh, after leaving the group as being um, that she didn't know what happened to her. She lied to everyone about where she had been. She was paranoid that they were following her. And it was this basic survival state. And it took her years to tell people what, what happened to her. Um, and I think that it's a natural thing when someone goes through something like this, they feel shame and they also don't necessarily know what happened. And so she can't, I don't think she can process it logically enough to explain. And after she leaves, it seems like there's a lot of just basic human behavior that she's become unmoored from. You know, the, 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 the way that she interacts with the world is very different based on her experience. Did that, I mean, I imagine that's a difficult challenge as an actress to suddenly, for yourself, kind of unhook from the ways you're used to being in the world. Like, that you can't kind of fall back on the comfort of certain scenes. She's, she's never comfortable in this right. film. Well, it's... To tell you the truth, it's really easy to just accept something as fact <laughs> and just do it um, because that's what's on the page. The, the part that you actually have to work to do is to justify it. And as long as I understood it was justified, I hope just that would, that would inform how I'd approach something and that would make it seem a little bit more, like a little bit more rooted in reality and believable because People, people changing habits based on their surroundings happens when you move to a foreign country. Um, you start using inflections differently. You start eating differently. You eat things at different times. And it, it's, just, it's just adapting to um, a different environment and carrying that over to her previous environment. And John, for your, you've, you walk this fine line between having a guy who is really dangerous. You know, he's, he's capable of really hurting people. On the other hand, he can be incredibly magnetic and charming. And you're sort of playing that, that fine line in scenes, often kind of moving from one side to the other, you know, beginning of the sentence, end of the sentence. Was it, how, how did you find kind of a through line for him that you understood? Was there like a, did you do research or was there a certain handle, something you thought of as you were working on this character? Uh, I didn't do uh, much research. Uh, a lot, a lot of, I guess every role is different, and this one, again, was more of a process of subtraction almost. In speaking to Sean, I, I uh, knew what we didn't want to do. Um, so for me, it's figuring out uh, the best way that I can help tell the story in every scene. Um, and also, oh, um, Again, just, just, just wanting to, to, to bring a, a human being uh, on screen and also to, to not play the ending. Uh, I guess I don't want to give too much away, but uh, yeah, if a character is going to end up one way, I always like to, it's always a handy thing to begin the character as something else if it still makes sense in the script. 
I love how calm he was in a lot of those scenes. Just such a serenity to him that it, it seemed attractive if you're somebody who's kind of lost, that there was this guy who seemed to figure everything out. You know, he seemed so stable and loving. It was, it was a fascinating performance. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, and Sean, you know, when you are down to the point of scripting her escape, basically, mm -hmm. um, you, she ends up living with her sister in sort of a, uh, a sort of a gorgeous lake house. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like another director, writer, director would have sent her out to a McMansion in the Burbs and made it really, you know, obviously horrible that she would have been completely out of joint. But it's actually kind of a fairly lovely place, and her sister isn't terrible. She just doesn't connect with them at all. Like, can you talk about those decisions that went into? Yeah, yeah. Again, I I just don't ever want to make someone too too easy to to discard or you know I tried to do that with all the characters and all the people at the at the farm as well just never never sort of simply classify someone as something so that they can be written off um, and it always just starts with the character I mean um, sort of interested in siblings and why two siblings can be so different and so you know, at one point early on, I had Martha, and I thought, well, if Martha's one way and her sister, I imagine, would be totally different, what life did she take? And it just came to be that it would make sense that her and her husband would have a house for the, for the weekends that they would go to, and it would be, I don't know, it would just be like that. And I just sort of follow that. I never try to, to think beyond the character and just always trying to make the character not too simple. Yeah. Do you want to maybe talk about what fear means in this film, or how it functions? Uh, yes, um, I don't quite recall the exact lines, but I remember the gist of it, uh, character, my character Patrick uh, convincing uh, Lizzie's character Martha. Uh, I'm sorry? I think I have the line if you want it. Oh, sure, give it to you. sure. Fear's the most important emotion, it makes you present. Is that it? Because it makes that. you present. How could I not have memorized that? was pretty easy. How could I have forgotten that one? I thought it was a whole monologue. Um, it felt like it. I'm kidding. It, it, is, it is a whole monologue. It's basically a really beautifully written piece where, uh, where Patrick convinces uh, or attempts to convince uh, Martha uh, that uh, something that's, that's happened that evening that Martha doesn't agree with uh, Perhaps, or is having trouble with, uh, is is a good thing, is a right thing. Um, I don't. I feel like if I go into any detail about it, it will be giving away pieces of the film yeah. that that I would rather not disclose. Thank you. <laughs> and um, you would tell us a little bit about what we were shooting because you found two really interesting locations for this film, and they're both. You know, we're here at the New York Film Festival, and they're both kind of local locations. Yeah. The um, the farm. They're they're both up in the Catskills. The farm. Um, is in Livingston Manor, and the lake house is in Roscoe, and they're both about a half hour from each other. And yeah, is the it. area ruined for you now? Do you really <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love the area. I mean, I love a, a lot of things about the area. There's really nice pockets and really sad, depressed pockets as well, and um, it, it's, it's interesting to see and to know the history up there. And, but it's, um, no, I, I love it there. I, I know you've you've 
been on the festival circuit now for a while. You've been taking this to a number of festivals. It's, it's you know, you won Best Director at Sundance. Um, it's been Cannes. I mean, you, it, it's doing really well. But you've also had a lot of different audiences respond to the film. And, I, and I've noticed interviews, you've mentioned that uh, you know, people have come up to you and said, I've had an experience that wasn't entirely dissimilar um, from Martha's. And what's that experience been like? And have you learned anything that you didn't know as you were making the film? Yeah. Um it's really rewarding when someone after a screening comes up and says, I was in a group similar to this and, and I, uh, you know, I think that you've portrayed it really well. Or someone will, will say that um, I was abused and, and she lost her voice and, and, and you, de you know, depicted that loss of voice uh, really wonderfully. And, and so those are always really rewarding moments for me. And, and Lizzie and I just did a like a two-week press tour and I think in almost every city that we went to someone came up afterwards and, and said something like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and in terms of coming up with the, kind of the rules of this community, did you, were, were there, you know, there's very specific rules, you know, there's sex seg segregation. Uh, when you were trying to decide exactly which particular rules would be applied, how did you you basically had to create your own yeah. cult. Yeah, it started with the place and just, you know, knowing we had the location before we had anything. So it was just, I was writing with that location in mind. So I thought, who, you know, where, who would be there? How would they get there? And sort of develop this history about what kind of group this would be based on that. Um, and, but, but all the details, they all come from things. People I talk to, people whose experiences they shared with me or things I read about other groups. It's all of the um, sort of methods of manipulation, the tactics, the separation, the renaming. Um, all those things come from, from real stories. I think we can open this up to questions if anybody has questions. Um, we're gonna run, run some mics out for you. I wanna, I wanna um, ask you about the writing process. Like, do you pitch the idea to a friend of yours, or how do you work? Well, this is my first script, so a lot of it was figuring out how to write. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, well, now I'm writing my second script. It's interesting because now, now I sort of, sort of, I'm starting to have a sense. So, basically, what I'll do is I'll have an idea, then I'll. Um, collect more, I'll have a main idea, I'll collect more ideas and then eventually I'll have a list of like 20 things I think should happen and then I'll write about the characters, like I'll write everything I can about the characters and I'll take that information and I'll just spend a few days and write a draft and then I'll stop and then I'll re-outline, rewrite the characters and then spend a few weeks doing that and then write a draft for a week. So it's like this process of sort of like building up enough information to get it on the page, and I end up throwing out almost the entire first draft, like 70% of it. Um, and then just rebuilding again, and then rewriting, and then throwing that out and doing it again. And it's like this terribly difficult, torturous process. <laughs> but it's, you know, but it's okay. The hardest thing was like, I remember the first time when I was at a point where I had this major realization about Martha, but in order to like go back, I had to throw out 75 pages that I worked on for six months. 
and I was, it was t absolutely terrifying. And when I made that choice to do that, it opened me up and realized that it's all just, it all leads you somewhere. So that's about it. I'd like to know how um, Elizabeth Olsen was chosen for the part that she played. And she struck me as a very incredible actress. I, I don't get moved like that. And I didn't know her, and I was so happy to see you on the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. Um, we, we were looking for um, an unknown actress to play the role, and we auditioned everybody that we could, um, every girl in the age range that would come in and audition, and she was the best person. So we chose her. <laughs> We've got another question up here in the front. This is for the three of you. It looks like the you didn't have the character cemented until you started working, and it seemed to evolve. Um, it may be true. I'm not sure, but I think probably true in, in nearly any, in, any film. Uh, that's why I wish they would always shoot in chronological order, because it would make make more sense. So you'd be really good at the end that way. But, because um, sometimes you shoot later scenes earlier, but I, I'm not, I don't know. I, I think we had a pretty good idea, but, but always when you get on set with other actors and a camera rolls, it's going to be different than any rehearsal or any forethought uh, you might have put into it. Things will happen and things will change. Uh, I don't know if that comes close or, or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, any time you make a movie... You, you find things as you go. I mean, and the script is, the script was very thorough and, and these guys got a sense from it, but what ends up in the movie is so much of what they bring to it. And it's, you know, you, you put a certain amount out there, but then you work together to create what it is. And there's definitely a certain amount of discovery always while you're shooting. You shot it chronologically? No, we, we shot the, we shot the, the stuff at the farm first and then st the stuff at the lake. So by the time we got to the lake, it was good because we had been through all of the farm stuff, but it's not, we, you can't really shoot. I mean, you could, but we, we couldn't shoot chronologically. Although it sounds like a nice idea. It would be awesome. <laughs> I'm not even sure in this movie what chronologically would be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think we knew Because fully. you'd have to go back and try to piece everything together, but uh, it's uh, out of order, but clear and wonderful to watch. I'm going to take another question over here on the right. Hi, my question is for John. I was wondering how you approach working with a new director versus a more experienced director. Um, I don't know that the approach is different between a new and an old director, or, or a new director and, and an experienced director. Um, I'm always interested in people who are, who are starting out uh, because they're more willing to maybe break rules or, 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 or try things that someone who's maybe done it a long time and has kind of a formula. Um, I can't really think of a difference, really. Um, it, it's, such, it's such a different case every time you, you do a movie, really, and, and it has to do with just finding a way to, to communicate with the, with the director if, if you need to communicate a lot and, and, and to just make sure you're giving uh, he or she what, uh, what, what they need for their film. So... Kind of the same, I guess, but it's always exciting to have a, a new person that uh, isn't tired of it and is excited and wants to, uh, wants to do good work. Got one more question over here in the front. 
Uh, my question's for Lizzie. How does it feel to be getting so much positive feedback and even Oscar buzz at such a young <laughs> stage in your career? Um, well, it's, um, it's, it's in, to me, it's intimidating doing a movie because it's, you put yourself out there to be judged. You know, you try not to, I guess you just try and focus on the reasons why you do things as opposed to that part of it. But um, having it be my first movie that's come out and people responding positively to the film and to the performances is really exciting and amazing and something I'm completely um, new to. So it's it's exciting and, and it, it opens up new opportunities that allow you to challenge yourself more um, and hopefully allows you to make more specific choices based on what you want to do as opposed to where you can get a job. Um, yeah, it's been really exciting and um, I just hope that all the good, all the good buzz creates um, a lot of people who aren't necessarily just film people going to see the movie. I'm really interested to see what a general audience, because this is really, it's a different type of film um, and I think it goes against a lot of things that we're used to watching in a cinema or in a, in a theater. And I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how the general public's gonna respond to it as opposed to the people at the film festivals. <laughs> I think, I, think it, I like it. I like it a lot. We're gonna take another one in front. Hi, um, my question is for Elizabeth. Um, how do you find about the, how do you find out about the script? My, my, um, my agent just made me read it. <laughs> I auditioned for everything. <laughs> At that point, I was auditioning for lots of funny things that I could not keep a straight face while trying to tape an audition because <laughs> it was ridiculous. But, you know, you, you, you're new actors and you, you don't know casting directors, you don't know directors, you don't know producers, so you just audition for everything. And this just happened to be good. So, <laughs> so that was just lucky. Um, I found the, the score and the visual language of the film very moving. And um, I was wondering if there's going to be an accompanying soundtrack and um, how you got connected with Jody, the cinematographer. Soundtrack is available on iTunes. Right now? Right now. <laughs> yeah, it really is, yeah. Yeah, everything, yeah. Um, and uh, Jody, Jody and I went to, to Jody's the cinematographer. Uh, we went to college together and we started. Um, we started working together in 2005 or 2004, and um, that was it. Never stopped. So, thank you. I have a question for uh, Mr. Oaks. Uh, uh, just after uh, Winter's Bone Teardrop, yeah, you've played another role who in, in some way uh, shows the, the dark side, the violence, in American country societies or mixed societies. How is it important for you to show to the audience this specific problem? You know, that's an interesting question. I don't think of it really in, the, in those large, of ter in, in large terms like that, I guess. I don't really feel, I guess every breath you take in the world is political. On, so everything, every move you make is, 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 is political on, on some level because you're choosing one thing or another. But I don't really think, think along the terms of, of uh, 
I'm not, I don't really think of the effect uh, uh, so much as just, as just trying to find uh, a really well-written part and a really well-written movie and, and with people that I feel like I could trust and, and, and want to be around. Uh, if they happen to come back to back, you know, in between that movie and, and this one coming out, I've done, you know, comedy and played a guy who's, you know, in an iron lung and moves his head a quarter of a turn and he's the lead for the movie. I mean, so I'm doing a lot of different things. I guess the ones that are really jumping are, are darker characters, but I don't really have a, any kind of agenda around it. But uh, it is great uh, for people to t around the world to maybe see all of America or see m more parts of America than they would normally see in a typical Hollywood film. So that's a good thing. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'd say there's, there's something interesting too about the, the re resonance of this cult. Now I feel like you know, there's, there's cults and there have been cults in America for centuries and, and there's something really timeless about this film. You're not, there's not a lot of markers, especially when you're at the farm um, saying when this is happening. It, could, it feels like it could be the 80s or right now. But on the other hand, it does feel like you know, from Occupy Wall Street downtown to the Tea Party in the Red States, there's a lot of people who feel like the system is kind of broken and not serving them. And there is this sense that you know, there's this kind of hunger for people looking for some kind of new order they can cling to at, at this particular moment. Do you, I mean, as you've taken the film around and toured, have you felt like it struck a chord with people in that sense now? Like it might have been different 10 years ago? Well, some some people say that, but um, I, you know, I I don't I don't come at it from that side. Like I I always I mean, you know, I had this idea for the first time five years ago now. So um, you know, I think any comparisons that people make are their own to make from watching, and um, any you know comparisons they want to draw or, or you know relevance they want to apply to it. That's fine. I, I guess I, I really just come from a place of character and, and following a character and just wanting to experience this woman's journey and then just trying to be emotionally true to that. And I never really think beyond that about how it ref is reflected in society or if it's, you know, political in any way. Or, so. Maybe that's a journalist like this. <laughs> <laughs> Another question? Yeah, this is, this is going to be our last question here. Hi, my question is for Mr. Durkin. Could you say something more about, as a male filmmaker, as a male filmmaker, how could you write and direct a movie, as you said, largely about the relationship between two sisters? Um, well, it's it comes very naturally to me. I mean, I, I, sure, I'm a man, but I grew up in a house full of women, and I don't. I, for me, it, it's like I've I've. You know, I've never been in a cult, so it's like, uh, but, but I spent time with people who had been through sing things similar. So for me, it's not about experiencing it, but it's about trying to understand it emotionally. Um, and the same goes for that relationship. It's just, you know, um, I have lots of aunts, and I have a sister and a mother and um, a wife, and, and, and there's lots of people and just I think when you're around people and experience them and understand them then you know I think as long as you're sensitive to it and and just understand things you do your best to portray what you think is honest and that's all you can do I never stop and think about male or female or anything like that okay thanks all y'all <laughs> <Appreciate it. laughs>